Why don't people always experience transformation after making Jesus Lord of their lives? Why do some people find themselves recommitting their lives to Jesus after repeatedly going astray? The answer is because they haven't been discipled. They haven't been parented in the faith, and as a result, they remain only converts. Now, salvation is the inception point of entering the kingdom and beginning our journey with God. Today on the Father Pursuit Podcast, find out what we often miss in the church and why it makes all the difference. Welcome to the Father Pursuit. This is an M46 Ministries podcast about fathers who want to pursue their children. As God our Father pursues us, we want to encourage fathers as they pursue their kids. And for those of you just trying to figure it all out, we walk this road together. No shame, no judgment, no condemnation. Just a real look at what it means to be an intentional father, learn from our mistakes, and grow forward in love and grace. Together, we are learning to be the father our father wants us to be. Hey, well, thanks for joining us on the Father Pursuit Podcast. My name is Matt Davis, and I'm here with Brian Elliott, co-founder of M46 Ministries. We believe that God is calling us to restore relationships between fathers and their kids, and we get to do this by sharing our testimonies of the goodness of God, even in the midst of profound brokenness in our lives. Hey, Brian, it's good to be with you again. Hey, good to be with you, Matt. Looking forward to today. Yeah, uh, we're going to be talking today, and it's really the theme of the book overall, but we're really going to dive deep into this idea of discipleship. Now, what you say in the book is that discipleship is the often missing link in the church. Is this true, and why do you say that? Yeah, it's so true, because the, I mean, so often, and all I knew of Christianity really was we go to church on Sunday, and that was it, right? And so we were we were getting a little bit of the word. We were, you know, meeting some people, but I mean, we weren't living it out. We were not, um, I was not like, none of us really were into the word. I mean, my mom was, but she, I mean, we all kept our faith quite private and that uh, we really didn't move into that. So it, uh, it, it was a big gap. And, and as I began to, to really transform my life and live my life for the Lord, I just, I just saw as I went in and got to meet more people, that it's a, it's just a, it's a profound gap and it's, I mean, it's one of the primary teachings of Jesus. Yeah. It's an interesting, you know, piece that really like our, our primary discipling relationship really should be our kids and it should start there in the home. Uh, and oftentimes we don't do this dads as dads. We don't, you know, we have these moments, but really like you, you even look at like the Shema and Deuteronomy six, right. To love the Lord, your God and, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But then it says, you shall teach these things diligently to your kids. And it says, well, when do you do that? Well, all the time, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, when you go to the gates, right? Like all of the time, this is, this is what the relationship is supposed to be like. Um, but why why don't we do it? Why why is it so missing in the church, and why is it so missing in family structure? Well, I think just the modeling of that, uh, as we've really gone away from, 
you know, even that understanding, you know, reading from the the Old Testament, and there's just so much gold and so much richness in that. And, you know, so many of these things have been lost. And I know my father did not ever talk about faith, right? That was something he kept very private. And, and so we didn't experience that discipleship. So with my children, I didn't know anything differently. I just thought that, you know, we, I t- if I took them to church, that was the gold star as being a, a good Christian. But what I didn't understand is it's it's so not about being a good Christian, right? It's, a, it's all about the ultimate mark of maturity is love. And that comes through intimacy. And and we love because he first loved us. So when you get that that mind shift, it, it changes everything. And uh, I know in my, my book, I actually quote my daughter, her book, because she really says it beautifully that she said, salvation is a free gift of justification, a personal revival. But in order to grow mature believers, conversions must be followed up with discipleship. A personal revival must be followed up by personal reformation. And walking in discipleship is the process of sanctification. So what's incredible now, my daughter wrote this when she was 21 and she gets it. So I, it took me till I was 46 years old to get it. And now my daughter gets it. So it's just incredible to see how we can change that whole trajectory. Man, I'm, I'm 46 and not thinking maybe I just got it right now. That was great, man. 21 years old. What what a gift to be able to realize that that soon. You know, one of my favorite authors uh, is Eugene Peterson. Um, and he he says, every pastor needs a theologian, right? We need somebody to walk alongside us and I think every karate kid needs a Mr. Miyagi. Every athlete needs a coach. If you're going to go to that next level, uh, it's that it's that sanctification process. Um, we need somebody to be walking alongside of us, somebody who is you know ten steps ahead of us that says this is the way to go. Um, what was like the first moment for you where you realized like I'm actually in a discipleship relationship? Somebody is discipling me right now. Like who was that, and what was that like? Well, what had happened is the Lord had intersected my path with uh, with a group of Christians that I really didn't have any friends that were Christian or very few, you know. That, uh, but my core friends were not Christian, and God had connected me with um, a house of prayer with uh, with some mature believers, and and uh, you know I got to to see and experience um, you know what life could be like as a Christian, and I had no idea what prayer could be or you know, or just, you know, just how uh, incredible it is to, to live in the word of God. Like I thought that like, I would used to think of the King James version and uh, you know, and I had a hard time, you know, understanding that language and it just seemed like it was so irrelevant. And, uh, and now I absolutely love the word of God. And I think as Bryn, my daughter Bryn saw me actually not only love the word of God in prayer, uh, she saw me begin to change who I was as a human being. And, uh, and so that transformation really drew her in. She got to taste and see that, that this is real. And she got to see how I experienced life differently, how I approached her differently. And so she got to see the, the result of that discipleship. And I think when you just, when you understand that, you know, we take the pressure off ourselves because it's, it's a simple, it's a practice. Like we're practicing being like Jesus, and we have the ace in the hole being the Holy Spirit. So all transformation is a result of, of His grace and of, of His Spirit working within us. And, and as we turn our hearts and we begin to, to model Jesus, we become more and more like Him. We become like what we behold. I, I remember uh, I went to school at Biola University in Southern California, and uh, somehow 
the provost of the university found me out and uh, invited me to just come up, have lunch with him once a week. And he would do this thing that he just called praying through scripture and never done this before, even though I grew up in a, in a congregation and as a believer. Uh, but he would, we would eat our lunch and then he would just say, all right, well, let's uh, just go into a season of prayer. He would open up his Bible, generally the Psalms, and he would read a couple verses and then he would just pause and then he would just start praying. And uh, he said, now you go. And I was like, what am I, am I really supposed to do this right now? And like, what is this like? But I slowly started to realize like, oh, this man is actually discipling me. He's teaching me and he's showing me. And still to this day, uh, it's one of those things that I return to, you know, when you're not opening up your Bible and just praying that it like, you know, Lord, just direct me where you want me to go in the in the word. And I'll just, you know, read that. I, I find myself more often than not, if I'm looking for direction, um, I still practice uh, that journey. And it's a, it's an amazing and beautiful practice. Um, I'm, I'm curious too, it, in the beginning of More Than Gold in your book, you have a, a journey to maturity. It's uh, really just an intake to be able to assess where you're at and to measure your growth. Um, what was like the intention for that? And, and why did you think of putting that into the book here? When I began to really fall in love with discipleship, because I saw what it did and the impact it had in my own life. And, um, and I got to see too in Bryn's life, I got to understand a little bit more of, uh, you know, the process of sanctification and, you know, a lot of the, um, I'm an engineer, so it's always fun to, uh, to get some measurables around it. And, you know, we do some work with, uh, you know, with some children's charities as well. And, um, and it's always kind of nice to see progression. And one of the things that really captured me is the, the, the journey to maturity. Now, ultimately the, you know, the finished work of, um, being made in the image of Christ is, is love. Like, so, so it begins with, you know, we, we started with a selfish love, which is a worldly love. And there's a huge spectrum of moving into the fullness of the sacrificial love or agape love of Christ. And so, and you can go from, you know, prideful to humble and there's, there's gradients as you move through that from, you know, tormented, a life of torment to a life just peace filled where Jesus becomes our peace, right? You can go from bitter to merciful and you you can live a life with wounded and, and trauma, or you can move into deep inner healing and, and bring Jesus into all those areas of your heart. And so as I began to understand how multifaceted this was, I thought, how interesting if we were to, uh, essentially what we did, we're putting it online as well. It's online and uh, it's a test and it goes through uh, about 50 different elements. And I just named, I think about five of them that uh, you can go through. And, and, and what we do is we actually describe uh, the process and, and then at the end of it, and it's not, it doesn't matter where you are. I mean, that's actually irrelevant because we're all in a journey and none of us are going to get there. Like we get perfected when we die, right? That's when we're, uh, now the reality is we do live a new creation life right here and right now. And that new creation life is our life union with Jesus, right? So we're unlearning the old and we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we're simply coming into the fullness of of all that Jesus has already done for us. And sometimes we can get trapped in religion, right? So there's a, there's a religion to relationship, which is law to grace, right? And sometimes we can get trapped in that victim mindset, right? And then on the other end of the spectrum, you know, there's an overcomer, right? We can go from, you know, hopeless to hope filled. And I mean, there's so many aspects and there's so many layers that what I found is 
that there, there's layers, beautiful layers. As we go deeper, God just keeps moving. And, uh, and, and so the layers fascinated me and the depth of this uh, transformation journey really fascinated me as well. Well, thank God we have, as Christians, we have engineers to help us figure some of this out. And maybe they'll be, does it all come out on a spreadsheet for us in the end? Yeah, it does. And it's going to have as well, uh, kind of guides that will kind of give you an idea of where you are on your journey. And then, and then it'll kind of give you the next segment of what that would look like. And so it's, uh, it really is kind of journey inspired and, uh, as to what that next, that next step of maturity would look like as you keep walking and, and becoming more and more formed into the image of Jesus. Cause that's exactly what Jesus did is even before, you know, the, uh, when he was still before his ministry even began, uh, you know, he's, you know, he was in a way being uh, being formed and shaped himself. And at age 30, his ministry began. And then, you know, before, you know, he died, he was already in the discipleship business, right? He was teaching his followers. He was, uh, he, he was, he was reproducing himself already in his, in his disciples. So he has, Jesus is the model and Jesus is the finish line in terms of coming out to the fullness of, of, of who he is. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, so, I, I've been to Israel a, a bunch of times, have led a lot of tours there, but my favorite place to go is really there in the North Shore of the Sea of Galilee. And this is where the bulk of Jesus's ministry takes place. And one of the things I love to talk about, um, you know, we, we read through the Mishnah, the Oralah, the synagogue was always the place. It was not just the place where you would go to worship God, but it was also the place of schooling for all kids. Um, and so there was actually, even by the second century, uh, there was a systematic type of schooling that had developed. And you would have these like three different schools, um, like kids from like five to 12 years old. It was uh, the, the school is known as Bet Sefer. It was uh, the house of the book. It, just picture it like it's elementary school. And it's all about learning the Torah. And, and how did you learn that? You did that all orally. And um, there's memorization, all of it. Even Leviticus, you had to memorize it all. But by, by age 13, you were a religious adult and you were ready to learn your father's trade unless you were a more gifted student. And at 13, like basically from 13 to 17, uh, it was not Bet Sefer, it was Bet Midrash. And that means the house of interpretation. And think of that as high school. And that is the place where you would study the rest of the writings and the prophets. Uh, and you would study interpretations of the Torah. And there would be intense Q&A with the teacher, with the rabbi, and understanding how the Torah was applied to all of the different situations. But once you hit age 17 and up, you now graduate into Beit Talmud, who is the house of the disciple. This is grad school, and this was only for the best of the best students. And you study under a rabbi to become like him and eventually to become a rabbi yourself. And I love the picture, uh, and you know this, is, is where does Jesus find Peter, Andrew, James, John? They're, they're fishing, tax collecting. Uh, are these guys in Beit Midrash? <laughs> they, these, this is not exactly, Jesus did not go after the grad school uh, guys here. The, the rabbis of Jesus's day, they would teach under a tree and the young men would listen to them and they would select the people who are listening. They would say, I want to learn under this rabbi. And after quizzing them, the rabbi would then take them on. You've, you've been counted worthy. And every single time, doesn't Jesus do this? He goes against the system 
and he selects his own disciples. He says, follow me, drop your nets, you follow me, and now enter into really the house of the disciple. Um, I'm going to take you through an experience. And that's really what you're talking about is Jesus gives us that model of discipleship. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it, the law, the religious expects perfection, right? And it demands perfection. And I mean, when you look at Jesus too, I mean, he was, uh, he, he was very, very stern, very direct. And, uh, with the religious elite of their day, like the Pharisees, the things he would say, then you look, he would go and he would eat with the prostitutes, the tax, tax collectors, like the, the unwanted, the castaways. And, um, it comes right down to just the kingdom of God and, and he sees differently than we do on the earth. And I think we have to understand that God does not expect perfection, that only he is perfect. And he knows that he created us, but he loves it when we look to him and we look, he loves to, to for us to grow and in obedience, it doesn't come from the law. Like obedience comes from like when you're a friend, right? You, you, you gladly do things for a friend. And it, when you love God, you gladly do things with him and for him. And the thing is that he loves you as you are right now. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you more or less because he sees you through the finished work of Jesus already. So on the earth, we're actually entering into a process that, that God totally understands and he gets it and he's with us every second of the way. So um, he wants to see us grow. He wants to see like Jesus promised abundant life. And, and really that's the uh, discipleship and moving into greater levels of maturity. I mean, we move into different levels of generosity and self-control and, and, uh, and joy. We begin to move into the fruit of the spirit. So there's just so much waiting for us and so much freedom. And so this is the new covenant. This is the new command. This is the great commission. Um, what is the implication of all of that for us and how does that change how we live? Well, going back to, uh, we were kind of in the, the old Testament, but if we look at the the 10 commandments, right? And then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus, you know, which is the greatest of the law? And he said, well, he said, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So he, he, he broke down everything into love. And then Jesus, he came with a, with a entirely new command. He said, a new command I give you is to love one another as I have loved you. So it went from the 10 commandments to replaced by the two in the law of love. And then he came with the new command, which is just absolutely beautiful. So, I mean, so no wonder like God is love, like the ultimate sign of maturity is love. Like what matters in our life is, did we learn to love? So, so it, it becomes very, very simple, but the, the, the whole process is, it's quite incredible. And when you look at, you know, how do we love Jesus practically? Every believer is a member of the body of Jesus, a body of Christ. And, and the, uh, as we love Jesus, we love Jesus by loving other believers because he, he's in union with them. So the most practical way to love Jesus, and this, this blew me away when I, because uh, I mean, you can love Jesus in the spirit and you can move into all those things, but it's so practical as well. Like that. You know, and he said, you know, you know, love the love when uh, sorry, what you did for the least of these, you did it for me, but the least of these of your brothers and sisters. So he's telling us that that you can love me throughout your entire day, right? That we get to be, you know, it, it's almost a cliche that we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But I mean, we literally can hug Jesus. Like we can talk with them. And Jesus is our brother. And I used to think that that was 
insane to think that way, but it's the absolute truth. It, and you're you're even pulling from John 13, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And and it leads to this other piece that like as we are doing this well, um, it says by this, by this, by this love, right? Everyone will know that you are my disciples. Isn't it? Like, it's all converging, right? By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. You are my followers if you love one another. Really, when when the world on the outside sees what we are doing as, as disciples, as followers of Jesus, it really changes uh, our influence as people are looking in. I mean, a scripture that comes to mind is, you know, if you do not love the ones in front of you, I'm, I'm not saying it exactly, but, uh, you know, how could you love God it, it, who you cannot see if you cannot love your brothers and sisters who you can see, right? So, so he's always kind of throwing the gauntlet of love as our ultimate mark, as our as our ultimate way to to check our hearts. And it's uh, so he's beautiful. I mean, he said too that you know if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, right? So love one another. So he just keeps pointing back to it over and over and over, and it's it's the unifying command of the gospel. Yeah, you you were telling me. Um, that you know, you've had different areas and different seasons of your life where you've had influences, spheres of influence, um, and and really that God has actually grown that for you as you have embraced a life of love and following Jesus. Yeah, it, it totally shocked me because you know, as an engineer, I started my own company years ago, and uh, when I was twenty eight, and and God's been so good to me that even when we don't know that he's involved in it. He, he always is that every gift we have, everything that we have that is good is a gift from God. And so he's the source of all life and, and all good things. But the, but ultimately he began to move me into new areas. And, uh, and now, I mean, I'm not sure how many people are familiar with the, you know, the areas of influence or the seven mountains, but you know, God's put me into the business sphere. He started me there. And, uh, and now through M46, you know, we're in the family sphere, uh, I'm in the uh, government s system, the education system. Uh, you know, I'm obviously you know involved in the church and and equipping and training and uh, involved in the body of Christ. There, uh, I get a little bit of involvement in arts and entertainment, and now through a lot of the M46 stuff, we're actually in media. So, so God's got us uh, touching seven spheres of influence. And also, what's interesting too is um, you know the the Great Commission right is uh, we're meant we're called to disciple nations and i thought it sounds so huge but god takes us he meets us where we are and it's him it's his it's his power and love and and spirit working in our lives and he's got an incredible plan for us and as we just look to him right he'll disciple us and he'll begin to to expand those areas and expand the influence and uh, and we get to do it with him so it's it's got nothing to do with how good we are or what we can muster up I mean, it's got to do with uh, really yielding our lives to God and giving him our yes. And I mean, he's connected me with people. I mean, we co-create and we partner with God, but when we partner with him, I mean, we're the active hands and feet on the earth, of course, but he'll open doors that are just incredible. And he'll create, like he created so many new relationships with me all around the world that I wouldn't have guessed. So pre-2016, I knew very, very few Christians and now I know Christians all over the globe. It's just incredible how he expands that and and uh, and just keep our eyes on him. I imagine that there are some people who are listening right now who feel uh, like an outsider to this conversation, uh, that they've never 
experienced what it's like to be discipled. Uh, they maybe went to church their whole life and are still feeling like they're missing out on that conversation. Uh, and again, uh, we are the Father Pursuit podcast. And so we, we're we pursuing fathers as God is pursuing fathers, and we want these fathers to be pursuing their kids. But uh, what, what do you say to somebody who, you know, if they don't have a, a spiritual mentor, they haven't been discipled, uh, and then there's this like, it, it almost feels like too much of a burden, like you're saying, like, we'll disciple the nations, disciple the whole world. Um, and, and we're saying, well, just maybe start in your home. But that even feels like too big of a task. If you've never done it before, if you've never gone through that journey, um, what do you say to somebody who is in that place? And how do you speak hope and life into that situation. Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing about that is everything starts and nothing starts without taking care of your own heart. So as you begin to to shift your heart towards God, he's so faithful, right? That as we look to him, uh, that's number one. And from that place of intimacy with him and growing in the word and prayer and, and just in, in relationship with him, I mean, it's incredible how he'll begin to move on that and begin to breathe on that because we're going to show up differently in our families, right? We're going to begin to uh, to be able to disciple them differently. And it doesn't, it's it can be bite-sized pieces too. And I mean, that's exactly why I have like a series of books and, you know, More Than Gold is broken into a hundred small bite-sized chapters, right? With, uh, you know, one and a half to two pages each typically with reflection questions because the it's getting into experience. Like, so you're not just going to be reading a book. You're going to be, you know, it's going to be my life story, but it's also going to have all the pillars of discipleship. And then the first one is more foundational. The next one is going to get into some of the deeper things of the spirit, which will be a lot of fun. And then the next one after that is going to get more into apologetics. But the, uh, I mean, that's a, a really, really simple, and we do blogs every week as well, which are, uh, um, designed really to experience God. So we don't just write them as knowledge anymore. I, I started with knowledge and uh, I realized that it's all about experiencing God and and getting revelation of his word and, and transformation and knowledge does not do that. So, so I think my writing has changed quite a bit, but I also would encourage people just to um, to really get involved in your local church. I mean, that's critical. We're, we're called for the, to the, for the, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. And, um, uh, and then just start to read the word of God. Nothing has to be a home run. Like we start with little pieces and God meets us there. And then, and then our heart becomes a little bit more hungry and then, and then we get fed and then we want more and you begin, you become, you know, more spiritually strengthened and, uh, and, and it begins just to unfold before you. So it's a, it's a beautiful process that actually makes me think of a, uh, one of our uh, quotes from Bryn's book was, you know, we want people to experience the fullness of what life with Jesus can be like. And that's all you're doing. You're walking into, you know, baby steps into what it can be like to do life with Jesus. And then it, you're, you're starting a, you know, a, an entire life journey. And it's, uh, it all begins with the first step. Yeah. Dad's Perhaps the bravest thing that you will have to do in your life, if you are going to live this out, is you need to go to somebody who has a relationship with Jesus that you want, and you see that there's a fire, there's a difference in them, and the bravest thing that you could do is to say, would you disciple me? You have something going on that I want, and I just want to walk alongside you. And so I encourage you to do that. Uh, I can't believe how much we have to cut out uh, because of all of this, there's just so much to talk about. But thank goodness we have more episodes to do. So we wanted to say thank you for listening to the Father Pursuit. 
the most valuable thing that you can give to your relationship with Jesus is to not do it alone. And Brian, uh, one of the most valuable things uh, is, is that you're giving all of this uh, out in your book, uh, More Than Golden. It's coming out real soon, and so we're excited to be building up to that. If you are not in a discipleship relationship today, start looking for one. Otherwise, you can't go deeper in your walk with God and become the person that He desires you to be. And I want to leave you with this. Dads, the deep relationship that we seek with God our Father is the same relationship our children seek with us. One more time. Dads, the deep relationship that we seek with God our Father is the same relationship that our kids seek with us. Wow. When, when I heard that quote, uh, when he shared it with me just before the podcast, I, I actually asked you to repeat it because it is profound. Well, until next time, thank you for listening here to the Father Pursuit Podcast.